Ready for your weekly tech fix? Want to know how technology sets us free? Well, get ready because here it comes. Tired of boring specials about history, science, and technology? Then get on your best headphones because you might want to lay down for this. A Sovereign Tech Special with the world's foremost anarchist technophile, Brian Sovereign. He has a huge, well, you know. And now, here's Brian. Mm. That's right. Here I am, the Golden Stallion of the tech world, ready for, really, in my opinion, what is the sexiest thing since Cisco's Unleashing the Dragon. Uh, in the 1990s, uh, Sovereign Tech. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's that sexy. And maybe people don't find Sovereign Tech to be sexy. But, uh, you know, I, I, I get email where, or, and tweets where people say, oh, you know, wow, hot show. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, uh, what this this isn't actually a full-on special. I'm just doing a nice little intro here for this. Um, what, it, what this is is I, I repackaged. Um, I was on Daryl Perry's, uh, you know, really, really great uh, radio, live radio show, uh, Peace, Love, Liberty Radio. You can find uh, that and everything else that Daryl does at fpp.cc. Uh, and you know, I was on for the second hour. He has guests on in the second hour and this was just the other week and we had a good time. You know, we got to talk about, you know, how did sovereign tech come to be? Um, how did I get into Liberty? Got kind of personal on that. Uh, we even talked about Jacques Cousteau's grandson. Uh, so anyway, this is, I will be in Michigan this weekend. So when I go away, you know, the listeners get to play and you get a double load a full release on hump day. That's right. Wednesday. And you get a double load of sovereign tech. Uh, so I mean, there it is. It's hump day, full release, double load. I mean, how many more, <laughs> how many more sexual innuendos can I do? Didn't I say the show was sexy anyway? Uh, enjoy the show. And don't forget. There's also not just this episode, but there's also, there's a full episode of sovereign tech out uh, early and I will catch you next Saturday as always don't worry but this week you get it early you get a nice pre-release a little pre yeah I won't go there <laughs> enjoy enjoy the enjoy the episode welcome back to peace love liberty radio online at radio.fpp.cc and this is hour number two which means guest hour and a rarity on this show an in-studio guest <laughs> the talented and if you're watching the webcam you could possibly say lovely and bald brian sovereign Thank I you. think that's how Stephanie describes you, right? Lovely and bald. I don't know if it's lovely. I, I describe her as lovely and hyper-intelligent. So, but yeah, I, I could go with lovely and bald. I like that. So Brian Sovereign is the host of Sovereign Tech, which is a podcast where you talk about all things tech from a 
uh, I, I guess, anarchist perspective. Yeah, so definitely anarchist. It's a show where all you do is talk about 3D printers. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the tagline I run with is it's a show about science and technology and how it can set you free. Um, and yeah, definitely comes from an anarchist bent, which really is rare in both liberty circles and in tech circles. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of people. And, and And if there is a tech show out there that is anarchist in nature, it's far more the you know, the syndicalist or the, you know, more of the socialist kind of uh, anarchy. Right. So, you know, I, I joked about, you know, all you do is talk about 3D printers. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's sort of what people think of when they hear, you know, like tech and libertarian anarchist is, oh, yeah, those people, they want 3D printers so that they can print, print guns. guns. Yeah. And what now apparently you can print a car which is really cool, and I saw something about possibly being able to 3D print a house, which would be really interesting. You would need a really, really large 3D printer. Yeah. But what what actually do you talk about? I, I know that it's not all about 3D printers. No, <laughs> no it's true. Um, actually, you've submitted a lot of show prep for me, uh, and I've used pretty much everything you sent to me, which nice. has always been great stories. Um, and I know you cover great stories on your own show here. Uh, and, and yeah, real quick, I mean, it's an honor to be on. Thank you. Um, but yeah, as far as what I do talk about, I mean, really anything, uh, there's a lot of talk about, again, technology, things that Google or Google's doing or the Microsoft, you know, any of those big companies, uh, we talk about prism a lot, especially now, you know, we talk a lot about the, the, the surveillance state, I guess you could call it. Um, and so, you know, Google. Yeah, Google. Yeah. <laughs> They're actually not the worst company out of the bunch, but um but it comes up pretty frequent. Uh you know, and, and, and other companies, we also I I talk about sex as often as I can, um which people may wonder with robots? No. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll talk about that in the very near future because in Japan because that's already have, happening. Yeah, they they have those in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. And they're actually fairly attractive robots. Yeah, I got to say, they 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 are pretty attractive. So but yeah, whenever I get the chance, I'll talk about that too, just because, uh, you know, secretly, I'm a person that's kind of at, for lack of a better phrase, because I really don't like the word, but I'm, I'm a person that's at war with social conservatism. Okay. And so I, I consider it to be the biggest, the biggest threat to human freedom, more so than even, say, government and religion. Um, you know, and all that stuff's debatable, you know, and everybody has a different opinion on that. Okay, and so, just real quick, I, yeah. I want to find out what exactly you mean when you say social conservatism. Um, I mean, like... Because everybody has their own... Even the people that call themselves social conservatives have a different definition of what it is that they believe. That's true. Uh, when When I mean social conservatism, I mean something like... Like the idea that, oh boy, yeah, you know, this is a great question because I don't know that I ever really thought about totally defining, you know, what I mean by it. But I think in general, the point is, is that, you know, if a person wanted to walk around without clothes in the summer, I understand why clothes are worn in the winter, but if they wanted to walk around without clothes hey, in the summer. if somebody wants to walk around naked when it's 32 below. Yeah. You know, you know the risk of frostbite <laughs> on very sensitive part that's right yeah um but i mean but if a person wants to walk around naked then let them if a person wants to uh you now, know do you mean any person 
Or only attractive people? No, I mean any person. <laughs> so, like, the 500-pound guy at Walmart, you think he should be allowed to walk around naked? Absolutely. Okay. So, <laughs> As long uh, as you're consistent. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely consistent. I, I like consistency. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, because, like, one of my concerns, and, what you know, what, a lot of people do wonder when I say that it's it's a threat, you know, how easy is it for, say, say you're a, I mean, and this happens recently. We've talked about it on Free Talk Live because I'm also a, a co-host on Sunday nights on Free Talk Live. And we, we talked about it recently where a teacher, you know, had nude pictures of herself show up on an iPad. And a student's iPad? Well, on a school iPad, you know, and pretty much what happened was she, what, what we what we think happened is that she logged in with her her Apple account, okay. and that synced her photos from her home computer. Okay. Okay. Now she's anathema now because she had because she took pictures yeah. of herself nude, and I see that as so controlling, way more than any law is controlling. Yeah. Well, and even not quite as far. There was a teacher, and I covered this story a couple of months ago. There was a teacher who was also a model. She was an mm-hmm. aspiring model and she did a swimsuit shoot. Right. Where she was clothed in a swimsuit. Right. But the school took issue. Yeah. Public school, not a private school. It was a public school that took issue and asked her to resign one month before yeah. the end of the and school so, year. Right. And so this is what I'm talking about with social conservatism, where people think, oh, we must protect people from this sort of thing. I mean, even this is something that, that, that we've run into with, uh, you know, that has affected, uh, well, like take take with Free Talk Live again with the Facebook page, yes. where we posted a story about, um, you know, meter maids and bikinis. Yeah, someone... On the who was an admin of Free Talk Live posted a story on that, and all of the admins were then twenty uh, four hour ban from right. Facebook, and then then it turned into three days after that ban was lifted. An, that same admin, who I will not mention the name, <laughs> but I know exactly who it was. That same admin then posted a link. To the Facebook page right. of the Gold Coast meter maids. Right. Someone marked it as offensive, and then all of the admins, again, got suspended, this time for three days. Right. Uh, but apparently, the time where pretty much everybody else got the 24-hour ban, at least one of the admins already had a strike against him for something else. Okay. So that wound up being, I think, a 30-day ban. Wow. Yeah, see, now, okay, now take that into perspective. How important to a lot of businesses, not just Free Talk Live, is Facebook for outreach? Very. And, yeah, and for getting an audience. And because of this social conservative nonsense... You know, because, oh, no, there's women in bikinis, you know, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, you I've know, seen look, a look lot skimpier on Facebook. Oh, there's, yeah. There's this thing called a secret group. Okay. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, nothing in that group gets flagged as offensive. No, right, right. And so, you know, how does that hurt the business? And so, again, again, this isn't laws. This is This is just some kind of social construct. That's yeah. a holdover from, you know, long gone times that we don't hold much else over from uh, that 
you know, can genuinely hurt people in very real ways. And so that's why I consider it so threatening, because, again, it doesn't even require a law. There's no act of Congress that social conservatism is going to hurt you from. It's just straight up this this social idea that affects people's lives. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't remember how we got to talking about social conservative oh it's what you talk about on your show yeah yeah and you can see how it comes up on a tech show yeah you know with with these things um i mean and this is happening in britain too they have porn filters they're trying to you know the prime minister's trying to put up in britain which is just insane right so yeah so and i think it was in britain where the 13 year old kid was was charged with child porn for looking at 13 year old girls naked wow would you not expect a 13-year-old kid to want to see people his own age naked? I know what I was thinking about in class when I was 13. Yeah. So stay tuned. This is Peace, Love, Liberty Radio with my guest, Brian Sovereign from Sovereign Tech. And if you've got questions for Brian, I don't normally do this with guests, but call in. <laughs> Welcome back to Peace, Love, Liberty Radio, online at radio.fpp.cc. And while you're there listening to the archives or listening to the Freedom Minute or Police Accountability Report, consider going to fans.fpp.cc. That is, excuse me. Don't mind Daryl. He's uh, <laughs> he's feeling a little under the weather today. Yeah, apologies. Uh, fans.fpp.cc. That is where you can find find out more about the fans program. And fans are friends, allies, and numerary supporters. And you can become one of my fans for as little as three dollars a month or any amount of Bitcoin per month. I do accept recurring Bitcoin payments with Coinbase. So you can find out more at fans.fpp.cc. You know, I've never implemented that into my own show. I, I need to consider that. That's pretty good. The uh, Yeah, like the Bitcoin idea and, yeah. and all that. That, that. That's clever. Hold on. You do a tech show and you don't do Bitcoin? Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to... Like, I initially didn't allow for any kind of donations or anything along those lines because I wanted it to be, like, in in the tech world especially, but this really applies anywhere, um, there's always the concern that, that, like, people's opinions are are bought and sold, if you know what I mean. Uh, Right. Well, they claim the same thing with, like, journal, any kind of media. Yeah. And so I want... Oh, you're only covering this because... You're getting money from this group. No. Yeah, exactly. No, that's not why I cover yeah. anything. I get very little money. Right. From, <laughs> yeah. From anybody. Yeah. I mean, like when I when I actually first started the show, there was kind of a scandal where CNET wasn't allowed to review a television by LG. And that's because CNET was now owned by CBS and it was a competitor. And so, you know, like LG for somehow was a competitor. And so they actually couldn't review the thing. And so then suddenly everybody's like, wow, CNET's been this trusted name in technology for 20 years. And now, you know, we can't believe in anything they say to some degree. So that's, that's sort of why, because I was in, you know, doing, doing a tech show, I, you know, I was staying away from the donation model, but now I think people know who and what I am and what I'm about. So I, I'll, I'll think about copying your entire idea. Yeah. 
And it's actually not my idea. I totally ripped off the Free Talk Live amp right program. On. I just came up with a new name. That's all right. It's, well, that's that's why we don't believe in intellectual property. So no. Yeah. <laughs> so the tech show. I, I no. I, I'm trying to remember some of the things that I've shared. A lot of sort of. Uh, Space exploration. Yeah, yeah, because that gets talked about a lot. Um, by request, a lot of people want me to talk about what's happening in space. Um, and I do specials on my sh- I'll do like, I mean, it comes out once a week. It comes out every Saturday. Uh, but I will do um, specials that I'll release throughout the week sometimes. One of them was a total space special. And I talked about, I think, a good two or three of your articles. One of them, though, was one that a lot, I got a lot of email about was that the moon Phobos that circles Mars was hollow according to the ESA and yes. that it was put there it was artificially put into its orbit it wasn't naturally a part you know that that orbit was not natural and so i remember that story in particular that you shared and that was interesting yeah so going from space to the other area that is not really as explored now as it was say a few decades ago water yeah, the, kind of the other final frontier. Um, I, While at work this morning, there was a television that was on, I don't know what news program it was. Uh, might have been CNN, but I honestly couldn't tell you. And they were talking to some guy that I'd never heard of, uh, Fabian Cousteau. No, that sounds who familiar. Is the <laughs> grandson of Jacques Cousteau. Okay. Now, Fabian is going to be doing something that apparently nobody has ever tried before, and he's not doing it alone. It's going to be him and, I believe, six other people who are being called Aquanauts. I love the name. They will be spending 31 days underwater living in some sort of submerged... They, they said that it's about the size of a bus. Okay. And Hopefully that's a Greyhound the, bus. <laughs> uh, I, I forget the dimension, but yeah. it's you know, like 40, 50 feet long, 9 feet wide. Sure. You know, so about the size of you know a bus or a small mobile home, like a single sure. wide mobile home. Sure. And they're going to be 63 feet below water, and there's this underwater... Uh, entrant like under the bottom of their uh i i don't even know what to go, their temporary house okay there's an underwater entrance okay. so you come up sort of like how in all of the movie like abyss and deep blue sea right right where it shows like this underwater thing and then they go diving through this hole in the bottom that just goes to the water right so That's how they get in and out of this thing. Okay. And apparently it's not going to be pressurized to ground pressure. It's going to be, you know, whatever the pressure is outside. Okay. So, you know, they're going to be adjusting to a different pressured atmosphere. Well, that's interesting. I mean, at 63 feet, it shouldn't be too different, but it's going to be different enough to where, yeah, yeah, they'd want to be careful coming back up. Yeah, Uh, because he was saying something about when they go diving, because they're going to be doing dives Mm -hmm. from this area. Okay. And 
So, you know, they're already pressurized to that area. Right. But they'll be going from 63 feet down to like 150 feet. Now, did they talk about why they're doing this? Is it just to experiment with underwater colonization or is this to like explore and just to be that ready? Because, I mean, it makes sense when you think about it. If they wanted to stay at that pressure, like do they want to, you know, to be able to to explore better and more readily and more quickly at those levels? I mean, uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Uh, and I'm looking at the website right now, and just offhand, I don't see anything saying exactly why. But I think it's more a thing of, you know, try something that nobody's ever done before. Sure. Because that always gets attention from yeah. people. <laughs> and then they're going to be doing stuff to where they can uh, Skype into classrooms. Okay, so and is, so it's going to be you know an educational sort of th- like I guess more edutainment, right, right, than education. But yeah, apparently Jacques Cousteau spent thirty one days underwater, but not at this depth. Okay, so you know he he's sort of picking up where his grandfather left off. Sure, taking it to the ago. next level. That's exciting. I mean, I, the whole thing sounds pretty exciting yeah. to me. And he was talking about uh, places that he used to go diving when he was a kid that would be full of fish and other sea life that is now vacant. Okay. So I want your opinion on this. Yeah, we'll talk gave, about it. You know, a thought of why he thought it was. But I would like your opinion. And I think we might be able to solve this. Okay. Of getting more sea life in the ocean. This is Peace, Love, Liberty Radio. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Peace, Love, Liberty Radio. Now, before I get back to Brian Sovereign, I want to make sure that I mention Red Pill Recording. Red Pill Recording was at Porkfest X back in June, and they recorded over 57 hours of video. Uh, various panels, discussions, speeches, and events. And if you missed any of what they recorded, and I can almost guarantee that you did. You can find that at the Facebook page for Red Pill Recording, which is facebook.com slash redpillrecording. They're posting all of the videos to YouTube and then sharing those to Facebook. And the most recent video that was posted was the Religion and Liberty panel that was me and Davi Barker, where we were discussing how the ideas of liberty fit within our respective fates. So you can watch that video and many, many more from Red Pill Recording. And most of these videos that they're doing, they're not getting paid for. So they're relying on donations to cover their time. So if you would like to donate, they would appreciate that very much. You can find out all of the donation options at facebook.com slash redpillrecording. 
That's amazing that that they do that on a donation model because, I mean, they do pro, pro work. Yes. Um, I've seen their videos from Libertopia. I've been at them. I've seen them doing the recording, and, I mean, they are amazing. Uh, they were at Bitcoin 2013. I mean, they've, they've done they, – they've been all over, and they just – it looks and sounds amazing. Yeah. So, and the guy actually apologized to me when he sent me the link. He said, apologies for this taking so long. This was a two-camera edit. I was like, <laughs> well, I still thought it was fast. You know, what, it's been – Barely a month and a half. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, they still have about half of the videos to go through. Right. So, you know, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you could have put it out dead last and I'd still be happy with whatever you got it out. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll have to check out that video. I actually, I wanted to catch that talk at uh, at Porkfest. Yeah, I it's didn't. the most recent video that they put up. Fantastic. I will, get, I will take a look at that. So, before the last segment ended... I said that I wanted to get your opinion on something that neither one of us are really qualified to speak on. Right. <laughs> and that is how to get more sea life in areas that Fabian Cousteau said used to have a lot of sea life. Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as that goes, I, I can only imagine what kind of environmental reasons that, that he's coming up with. Right. Well, he he mentioned climate change overfishing and there was something else but i don't remember what the something else was okay i mean overfishing may be part of the real answer to that and and i think really what creates any kind of um change in the earth's ecosystems at any given time is always government regulation yes in my opinion every single time um why does overfishing even occur it actually doesn't occur because you know people are just like somehow naturally greedy and they just want to keep fishing and fishing and then the government has to come and regulate them it usually becomes as a byproduct of set times within which these fishermen are allowed to even fish right and it's them cheat kind of cheating the system because they they have to work within time frames that may not be the most beneficial um it's just like it's a lot like the uh, environmentalist laws or the endangered species laws where what'll happen is is that say you have a certain kind of bird that just one year happens to land in your backyard. Chickens. Yeah, something. I, I mean, what people will do is is that they'll they'll cut down the tree that was allowing that bird to even live just so that bird would, would get away because technically as soon as some endangered species lands on your land or comes to your land, that belongs to the government now. It's not yeah. even yours anymore. So you're killing off creatures you know, faster just because of the regulation than the right. regulation could possibly ever see. Well, no, I, I mentioned chickens not uh -huh. because that bird would naturally fly right. into <laughs> someone's backyard. But if you look at animals that are mass, I, I hate to say mass produced for food, but I don't really know of another better way to say it. Sure. But animals that people can own and then make money off of are not extinct. Right. Chickens and cows are not going extinct anytime soon. Exactly. So if someone could own a section of ocean and then, you know, do whatever they could within their power, all right, uh, people can fish in this section of ocean, but you're not allowed to take more than three fish a day. Right. You know, they would 
be you know responsible for making sure that fish stayed there because it was economically beneficial to them to make sure that fish were there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and even when you talk about well, there's companies that are just lazy and they start dumping toxic waste into the Hudson or yeah, something like tragedy that. Tragedy of the commons. Yeah, right. I mean, you say, well, all this is this is what would happen if there wasn't any government regulation to stop them from doing it. No, it's actually all the government regulations that makes waste disposal so damned expensive that yeah. that it becomes to where again companies try and cheat themselves out, out out of these systems because it's just it costs too much to operate yeah and i'm sure you see a lot of that with the stuff you cover in sovereign tech oh yeah uh recently actually you know and and because what what do people want to say they want to say well these companies have plenty of money they can afford it well here's a company that does have plenty of money and it's apple and you have to ask yourself, because that, and this is a, a story I covered recently, is Apple is creating, like, they're creating tax havens. They're, they're creating little companies in other countries uh, to, you know, to get out of all the, these, you know, these insane tax systems and these insane, you know, taxable incomes that have to come out. And why are they doing, why would a company that has that much money do that? You know, you have to ask yourself. And the real reason is, is that, you know they they do want to keep have people keep their jobs yeah and they have to, to to have that running cost of what it takes to employ all those people um there's it's a very fine line between profit and that margin okay yeah. and to do that guess what yeah they have to cheat the governments just people just don't understand you know they they don't see how all these numbers you know work in that regard yeah so one question that i generally try to ask my guest is how you came to the ideas of liberty. Oh, boy. But before you answer that question, because I'll give you a couple of minutes All right. to <laughs> think on that. Sure. How did you decide that you wanted to do a tech show? To do a tech show? Well, I, I knew I wanted to. I mean, I moved to New Hampshire as a participant of the Free State Project. Yes. In October 2011. And I wanted to, I knew I wanted to do some kind of activism. And... Some of the more, you know, the the public stuff, civil disobedience, things like that, you know, all of which, hey, you know, rock and roll, do do what you do. Um, I didn't see myself really like geared towards that, and so I was like, well, you know, New Hampshire is the or Keene in particular is the Liberty Media capital of the world. Uh, let's, you know, okay, let let's put out some media, and so I wanted to put out some media, and I didn't want it to be another rehash of, not to say there's anyone out there rehashing now. But I wanted it to be a podcast that the Liberty Movement didn't have. Right. You know, I wanted to hit a niche, and I... You, you didn't want to be like what a lot of people accuse so many of the, uh, you know, Liberty media outlets to be is... You didn't want to be a knockoff of Free Talk Live. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I didn't want to be Free Talk Live number seven or something like that, you know. Not to say that there's even anything wrong with that, per se. Right. Because there's so much going on in the world all the time. Uh, like, I'd love for there to be international versions of Free Talk Live where people are doing yeah. a Free Talk Live model in, like, Bulgaria. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. And, well, one thing that I think is interesting is I, I've never actually heard anybody, like, pinpoint a show, but they're like... Right. There's so many shows that are just knockoffs of Free Talk Live. Well, technically, isn't every talk show a knockoff of whatever the very first talk show was? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it, it just seems asinine to me. I agree. But 
next segment, I want your answer how you came to the ideas of liberty. All right, we'll Stay do Stay tuned. This is Peace, Love, Liberty Radio. Welcome back to Peace, Love, Liberty Radio. Online at radio.fpp.cc. That's where you can find the archives as well as the dates and times when you can listen to the show either live or in encore presentation. And before I get back to Brian and his answer on how he came to the ideas of liberty, I want to make sure I tell you about Shire Silver. Shire Silver is precious metal for the masses. It is more than just silver bullion. It is a whole system for using precious metals in trade. When you use Shire Silver, you know you're passing value onto your trading partners. And trading value for value helps build a better community. You can get some today at ShireSilver.com. Love Shire Silver. Now, what do you think about their model where they put the silver in the little cards? Uh, I think I think that's pretty clever. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's you have to wonder, like in a digital age, how that would work. But outside of the digital age, which may be the most important, because this is something that I mention a lot on my show on Sovereign Tech, is that really the digital world eliminated privacy. As soon as we went away from analog, privacy's gone. And and I mean, you can try to achieve a certain degree of anonymity, and I talk about how to do that too. But um, but really. You know, I mean, like nothing's more anonymous, nothing's more private than a mail sent to, you know, just snail mail sent to somebody, yeah. right? And so something like Shire, Shire Silver, I mean, that's more anonymous than Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, quite frankly. Uh, so I think it's a very clever idea. I like that. All right. So, Brian, how did you come to the ideas of liberty? Well, it, it, yeah, boy, it's, it's kind of a long story. But like the first time I had a, a real liberty thought, I'll say um was i was in the military and you were in the military i was in the military i did not know that yeah i was in the military for just under two years which branch uh, i was in the army okay so i was a uh, psyops uh, psychological operations and i was over in iraq and this is don't ask me how this book appeared there um but at one of the kind of makeshift uh, barracks essentially we'll say that they had set up um there was a copy of anatomy of the state by murray rothbard Okay. And a very small book. I mean, this book's barely, you know, 30, 40 pages. I mean, there's nothing to it. So, uh, but it was there in the barracks. There was like a little little book section that somebody had set up where they slid yeah. stuff in. And that happened to be one of the books. Um, and I read that. And in that, one of the first cases that Murray Rothbard makes is that if 75% of the population s- s- votes, you know, legally votes in a government system uh, to kill the other 25%, is that, you know, is that voluntary suicide? You know, is that like, is that legal? You know, and, and of course he's making a reference to Nazi Germany, um, where theoretically that happened. Yeah. Or, well, not theoretically, it happened. <laughs> but, um, you know, and so that, that resonated with me because I'm also, I was born, you know, I'm ethnically Jewish. And that really struck me. And I thought about that and I was like, wow, yeah, democracy, what a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> and it struck me really hard. Um, but you know, I stay, I was still in the military for a good year after that. Um, but that's what started me on the path. And so then, when you left the military, did you leave as a conscientious objector or you left because your term of enslavement was up? Um, 
to I'll say to some degree was a conscientious uh, observer. My my term was not up. I I got out. So, but that's okay. that's about as far as I can go with that. So okay, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's... right on. <laughs> so, yeah. but when I got out, um, you know, then I started reading, you know, other liberty minded stuff. Uh, you know, Murray Rothbard kind of sets you on that path. But I was a constitutionalist for a really long time, and I was actually conservative, oddly enough. Uh, you know, I, I would have like at the time I proudly claimed to be a conservative. And uh, this was how many years ago? Uh, this would have been maybe seven years ago, seven or eight years ago. Okay, so back the middle of, or not the well, I was well the, the middle of Bush's second term, like oh six. Yeah, around there, and, and you know, and then all that kind of started becoming a mess. And Ron Paul, you know, came out, and and obviously he raised a lot of eyebrows, raised a lot of things for me. I still kind of believed in government at the time. Um, but then I'll say maybe three or four years ago, I pretty much became a, a full-on anarchist. Okay, so. and when you say that, because there's certain degrees of anarchists. Yes. There's the anarchist who, and let, let me just define the term before I go any further, sure. just in case anybody stumbles across this and doesn't know <laughs> what we're meaning when we say the term. It comes from the Greek and meaning without and arcos meaning rulers. So without rulers. Right. So basically what a lot of people would consider to be voluntarist. Yes. That you believe that all human interaction should be voluntary. Yeah. I think that the, the words are synonymous in my mind. Right. Uh, but there are some people who, like me, will still cast a ballot during an election. Right. Because they agree that you can vote in self-defense. Yeah. Because let, let's go back to the Murray Rothbard. Okay. Should we kill 25% of the people? If I'm in that 25% of the people, yeah, my vote isn't really going to count. Right. But I can still say, I don't want you to kill me. <laughs> So it's a vote in self-defense. Yeah, I still feel like the better vote is the one with your feet. Um, and that means, you know, if you're in the same situation, get away. Um, because, I mean, even... Right, but I mean, you that's can't an extreme get away case. from government. Governments claim every square inch of land on the planet Earth. That's true. With the exception of the one section of... Antarctica that by treaty cannot be claimed by any government. Right, right. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. But, um, but I, I still the have Ross dependency. I believe is the name. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's it. And I, I still have, I still wrestle with the idea though about voting in that it is legitimizing like the system. That there's know. that claim. Right. And we can have this debate for yeah, 27 it, hours. It, we could. And neither <laughs> one of us is going to change anybody's that's, mind. That's right. But if you want to hear more about this, I did an interview a couple of weeks ago with Ben Stone. Okay. And we talked about this. We we had a very friendly discussion and we wound up mutually agreeing to disagree. Yeah. So I, I'll uh, post the link on the uh, Peace, Love, Liberty Radio Facebook Yeah, I'd like to hear that myself. So. To the episode where I spoke with Ben. And, yeah, it was a thing. Of, I wound up saying that I hope in the future democracy is viewed as slavery, as a right. system that 
you know, not only existed in the past, but never should have existed in the first place. Right. And Ben said, I agree with every word you just said. So. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll still I, I still believe that one can vote in self-defense. I'm not going to you know demonize somebody because they think voting is totally wrong. You sure. shouldn't do it. But, you know, it, it's one of those. I'm not aggressing against you by saying nobody should have this position or taxes should not be increased. Right. Right. I mean, I think an important thing, though, as far as getting personal freedom, which is what I'm really interested in, yes, is to have the mindset, you know, to, to live in the mindset of and this. And I don't mean lie to yourself. Right. I mean, just live in the mindset of, of you know, of how you want to live. And one of those things is that I don't believe there should be governments. And so I generally um, act within the auspices that I don't belong to a country. Right. Um, you know, I, I use the word denizen to describe myself. I am a denizen of New Hampshire, um, which just means that you kind of exist there. You don't take part in anything necessarily. Would there. that not be the same thing as an inhabitant? Legally, I think it would. Uh, I, I'm aware of and I think that's an interesting concept. But either way, I want to get away from the, the word citizen, right. <laughs> you know, as far as you oh, can. Oh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. use the term myself. Yeah, or even resident is is, is an ugly word. Oh, did um, uh, and I know you know. <laughs> and inhabitants are totally different yeah. things. Yeah. Residents have responsibilities. Right. Inhabitants do not. Exactly. And that's something uh, I know you weren't there for, but I was there at Ian Freeman's hearing at the Department of Safety where he was accused of being a resident without having fulfilled the obligations and requirements of residency. And so because he did not do that, he was uh, somehow taking advantage of his driving privileges. <laughs> and so the hearing officer is determining whether or not Ian's driving privilege. So that's still up in the air. Revoked. Yes. OK. Yeah, I was curious about that because I find that to be very, very fascinating yes. uh, uh, legal work. So real quick, there's only like 37 seconds left. All right. Flying cars. They they actually at DEFCON last week they showed they showed flying cars happening. So you're the sort of anarchist that wants the flying car. You're not the anarchist that wants to raise his own chickens. Yeah, I'm the one that wants the flying car, but I'm a little worried about flying car because the way people drive on land, I can only imagine what they do in the sky. Well, you've got an extra dimension. <laughs> Sovereign tech. Uh, check it out. Website real quick. S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. Sovereigntech.com. And this is Peace, Love, Liberty Radio. This has been Sovereign Tech. Visit us at Sovereigntech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. There you can connect with us, see more of what you've heard on today's show, and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is open source. We encourage you to share. Later, nerds.